Hey guys, welcome back to The Butter Dish. I'm Natalie Dulaney. And I'm Heidi Ballard. And we're hanging out with Brittany Powell today at Brit Powell Fit. So like we had Marla handing out a couple of weeks ago, we also found Brittany the same exact way. I love when people feel like brave enough to be like, I want something, I want to talk about something on a podcast, which is great <laughs> because sometimes Heidi and I feel like we have run out of topics, which is kind of wild because <laughs> yet you can give us you know, cereal of the day. And we could probably spend 45 minutes talking about it. So, and yet somehow I'd still be able to repeat the same five stories. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Sometimes the stories are so good. You just have to tell them. And yeah, what, fair, are they, what is our problem? We always think we said it once and everyone should remember it when in reality, like oh. there's a reason why we repeat ourselves, right? Fair, fair, fair. All right. So without further ado, we'd love to introduce you to Brittany. All right. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am Brittany. I'm so excited to be here today. Like I... I almost didn't send my email in because I was like, they're not going to be interested in my story, but I'm so glad I did. I'm so excited. I am from South Louisiana, born and raised here. Um, I am 32. I'm the owner of Fearless Fitness, which started out as like a boutique fitness studio in my town. Um, I just wanted something for females to come and enjoy fitness and working out. However, I opened in... September of 2019, and then COVID hit in March of 2020. So that lasted a little while. COVID kind of put a damper on it. And then I decided to pivot and go the online route. Like, you know, all good fitness trainers, we decided (laughs) online was the way to go. Um, So I pivoted in 2022 with an online program that has like, I have about like between 130 and 150 ladies all across the United States. And then I got my nutrition coaching certification. I have struggled with nutrition my whole life, like fitness and nutrition. I wasn't someone that was like raised as an athletic person. I know one of y'all have talked and y'all are like, oh, we played sports. That was not me. Like I. Oh, that was neither. I (laughs) I would call my mom and ask her, like, say I had a like. I'd be like, oh, my stomach hurts. I can't go to PE and would like have her come pick me up because anything like physically, I was like, oh, I'm out on that. Like we didn't do that in my family. I come from a family of like constant dieters, Mm -hmm. but not everyone is healthy. Like it's just genetically, it's not the greatest. So when I turned 30, I started just really wanting to become my healthiest self. I had chased like, a goal weight my whole life. I had thought I wanted to be skinny, you know, all the cardio, keto, the detoxes, all the things. And so when I turned 30, I started tracking macros and got really into more strength training than HIIT training. And it just like, it changed my life. Like personally, it changed my life. And then like the pivot of my business and being able to help so many ladies, like it's been life changing. Like I love it. My relationship with food, my relationship with the scale, with my body, all of it has been completely different. And I just love being able to help other ladies and show them that it is possible too. Oh, awesome. Love it. And, and for the record, we were not athletes. Like, yes. I think we I feel like we need to make it It's so funny I how like, you want to make maybe sure you're a run. <laughs> <laughs> So let's track back a little bit to like your your childhood and um your yeah let's unpack that yeah yes. and, and also just kind of your whole life like I, I I think it's interesting you said that you know 
we're not like that. So like we were not like an athletic family. And Heidi and I had a little bit of both. We have large families and we did have some siblings who were athletes and some who definitely. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, but I would love to kind of talk a little bit about how you said like my family was filled with constant dieters, but not the healthiest. Mm. Would love to know like what that kind of environment looked like. I think sometimes um, if we reflect back, especially as women in our thirties and forties, like either you have a very strong, distinct memory of what the diet culture was like in your house, or you didn't really pay attention to it at all. And like you had your own body thoughts and your own body image issues, or you had like, you know, half and half, right? Like you had somebody who was always on a diet and somebody who was never on a diet. And you feel like for the most part, you're like, I don't know that I really cared until I got to like maybe college about dieting. So as somebody who has grown up with like constant dieters, I would love to know what that looked like. Cause I think sometimes when we reflect back, we don't realize like how our environments have shaped us. Cause you do have a lot of women who are like, Oh, I've always been on a diet or I've always, I've been on a diet since I was 12. And I always want to get into those stories more because there's so much that people don't really realize like the, whether it's uh, a childhood trauma that induced like your belief about your body image, or even just the constant noise in your family, or you did have a mom who put you on a diet as a, at a very young age, or always feeling food shamed or body shamed or whatever. Or we've had friends who like their mom was on Dexatrim, mm. all the sisters were on Dexatrim, and like that was just a way of life. It's like we do diets in our household and things like that. So, can you tell us a little bit about like what that household might have looked like? Yeah. So my mom and I love my mom. I'm, I don't know if she knows how to listen to podcasts. So I'm like, maybe, maybe she'll listen to this. But like, I love your mom. Depends. How, what is she like when she comments on anything or on Facebook? This is how you know if they know how to listen to a podcast. Yeah, thankfully, she doesn't even have social media. So the only reason she'd be like, oh, I heard you were on a podcast. But like my thankful. mom has been on a diet. Like me and my husband have been together, like dating to married for like 18 years now. And my husband will even joke, like your mom has been on the same diet since we started dating. And like, it's been like that since I was a kid. Like I can remember my mom always being like, I have to eat low carb. Or then the next week it might've been like, oh, we're going low fat. Like, you know, check in all the labels and just never seeing results. Like that was the thing too. Like it was like keto, Atkins, um, whatever like detoxes were popular, all the things, maybe Weight Watchers. I don't remember her ever talking about Weight Watchers, but I'm sure there was a time. And she actually came from, she had an eating disorder in her twenties. So like even throughout all the years, like there's still been that, like always chasing a diet. Like to this day, it will go out to eat at a Mexican restaurant and she brings her reduced fat, like tortilla chips with her to the restaurant and then like gets a, a normal meal. And I'm like, mom, like, it's not the chips that it's not the tortilla chips that are doing it. It's everything else. And she just like, like I said, working health was not really a priority, like dieting. Um, my grandma died at 54 from a heart attack. She was most females in my family are obese. She had diabetes her whole life, high blood pressure, heart issues. My mom has type two diabetes now. Um, I've lost like two grandparents to heart disease that were obese and then diabetic. So it was just like growing up with that, I never noticed it. And it was subconscious to me that I would be like, oh, I need to do low carb or I need to do low fat. And, you know, this is bad food. Like I can't eat that to where I think 
it gave me like a complex with food that I didn't even realize until probably like I was 30, like looking back on things, I would be like, oh, that was really disordered. Or like my view of food was so messed up. And like to this day, when I tell my mom about like tracking macros and like what I'm doing, she's like, you eat that much food. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, that has carbs in it. I'm like, I know it's great. I love that she says it like that has like arsenic in it. (laughs) You're eating potatoes. I'm like, yes, they are delicious. (laughs) So it was just always just something and always on a constant diet and always like, I need to lose 10 pounds or I need to lose five pounds or I need to do this. But you know, like most people in the dieting cycle, like they don't realize it's not working. Like even if you lost those five pounds, it came back a week later. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think, um, and I mean, maybe I'll just give give a little bit of our background as well. Like, I think for, for me, it was, it was like, it was all or very all or nothing in my family. Like it was like my, my parents were like doing something or it was like anything goes right. Like we're, we're doing Atkins or we're doing, you know, whatever, um, or just like trying to eat as little as possible. Like if you ever knew there was like, if there was like a metal can open of V8 in the fridge, it was like, oh, <laughs> so going back on something. And like, you know, one of the reasons we're named Butter Your Macros, I think, is we were joking about how for, we didn't have margarine. And I mean, we yeah. only had margarine until I was like 13. It's great and butter. Was, like, yes. like it's, I can't believe it's not it butter. Not butter. Yeah. You know? And I remember when like the, when it came out that like butter was butter was back. And I, I, I don't think I've ever seen my mom so happy and I was very happy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it definitely was like, um, I think for me, the subconscious message was like, you know, you kind of should always be, be working on it, um, in some way. Right. Um, and that like, uh, when you're off, you get to be really off. Um, and like, uh, eating a lot was almost like a badge of honor in some ways, um, so then the, the the pendulum swing was like, well, then if you are trying to lose weight, then you should eat as little as possible. Um, and then just basically no, no education. I mean, we had the food pyramid, right? So it was like when I was being good, it was like a salad doused with ranch, a big yes. piece of white bread and like a Jamba juice. <laughs> like that. This, is my good, this is my good meal. I uh, lived which it was good for years. I don't even like salads, but I would eat them for years because I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do when I'm dieting. Like, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I can squeeze a burger in with the, the amount of fat that is in this ranch dressing right now. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And it better be good ranch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of bottles, right? Yeah. My, my household, I think, you know, as you guys are both talking, I'm just kind of really thinking because it sounds really weird, but part of me is like, please tell me there was some like weird diet history in my family that I could like attach certain things to. Right. But I really, you know, my parents were actually really both really thin, um, in their college days. Like my mom has some incredibly beautiful clothes from back then because my parents are hoarders. So we have lots of stuff (laughs) from many generations ago, but even my like tiniest sister, who's probably a zero, couldn't even get into like some of the stuff my mom had like some of the jackets or whatever. And so it's interesting because I actually don't even really remember them ever going on diets. It always felt like feast or famine in my house. Like 
I'm the oldest of eight. And it was just like, you know, if there was food, you ate, like, it was like, if it was gone, it was gone. And they just hurry. hurry. And so I think it created actually more food scarcity on the other end. We did about like not eating at all, because it was like, if you, there's nothing to eat, then like, you didn't eat what mom cooked, then holy crap, you were having like cereal. If you were lucky, which we, we had plentiful amounts of food, but it wasn't what you wanted to eat. And heck, heck, you had to make it yourself. Like it was better when someone made it for you. And so I think, you know, for me, it was always like, eat as much as you can, because you don't know when you're going to get it again. Or like, and and by no means were we, were we poor, we had plenty of food. It was just more of like the lazy factor kicked in. I'm like, wait, I don't want to make myself anything. Right. Totally. Or that sounds better than, you know, I super thinking, like, relate like chicken, a can chicken, of corn yeah. niblets it's like it's like niblets. do I want chicken van and tuna noodle casserole or do I want a bowl of cereal I mean this is kind of where we're at and so um and being from such a massive family like everyone was like different shapes and sizes and it wasn't like there was like we weren't a family of clones where I think you have some families where you're like every single one of my siblings is real thin except for me mm. or the or the opposite right and so I think that like I did it to myself right like I created a culture around food and and eating that it was like, well, if you love food and you have to eat, then you're just going to always be fat. Yeah. Right? And so that yeah. was my like horribly drawn conclusion until I probably got until, you know, middle school when you realized you weren't an athlete because you couldn't run the 10 mile and then <laughs> a 10 minute mile. And then high school when it was like, everyone wanted to just be thin because all the cute girls were super thin. Right. Mm-hmm. And all my friends were. And so it became like slim fast and dexatrim. And I remember thinking slim fast sucks. Like you drink this, <laughs> it's like what, two, sh- two shakes a day and a reasonable meal was like a, a pitch or whatever. And I remember like trying to do slim fast and drinking a shake and being like, and now where's my food? Where's my sense of loops? Where's my sensible dinner? Yeah, seriously. Except <laughs> it was only like 12 o'clock. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that whether you come from a household where it was very loud and in your face or not at all, it's amazing how culturally we have done it to ourselves regardless. Right. Yeah. And, and arguably even your mom was, is a product of that as well. Yes. And your mom, yeah. You know, so I think too, and then now what's the term almond mom, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, on TikTok, like, or is your mom an almond mom or tell me you have an almond mom without telling me you have an almond mom. And I just think we are in a really unique position to be able to change the narrative for this generation about food and they're going to do what they will with it also, right? You, right. you could literally be yeah. the most educated parent, mother, sister, friend, whatever, and help everyone. And they're still going to do what they want to do about it. But yeah, well, totally. I mean, I'm sure you felt this way with counting macros, like counting macros is a, is a tool. And yeah. just like you can hit yourself in the face with a hammer, hammer, you can definitely do that with macros. And it's not necessarily best for everyone given on, yeah. given the context. Right. But it is, and it, it is, it is definitely an effective tool in our experience. Yeah, for right. sure. I tell all my clients, I'm like, there's a very fine line, whether it's macro tracking, fitness, like when you start working out, I'm like, there's a very fine line between healthy and obsessive. Yeah. I was like, and it is very easy to get that line blurred, especially when you're just getting started and go from like something that is healthy, something that is good for you to like, I know like when I first started tracking macros, I was working with a coach and like, she wanted me to track like my bubble gum and like bring a hand scale with me to a restaurant. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I was like that. If I have to track my gum, like that's disordered. Like I'm not going like extra it's sugar-free gum. It's not even like juicy fruit or something. (laughs) I'm like, there's a very fine line where it can be healthy and it can be great for you. And then there's that line where it's like, you basically have a glorified eating, like disordered eating with it. 
Which is so incredible to say. And I, and I think it's really important to say that because it really does depend on the individual because mm-hmm. admittedly, Heidi and I were those people who brought hands. We, we well, had these scales, pocket scales that we got gotten. They like, we think they were either to measure diamonds or cocaine, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably both, right? Yeah. You know, on the go and you have to like make a, make a deal. But we, well, that was what was fascinating. And, and we, we have said before, when we look back, we're like, maybe we were totally disordered, well, it, but it was so interesting. It was sometimes a different motivation. And though. it was a game. Yeah. Cause we weren't afraid yes. of necessarily like gaining weight if we didn't if we had the wrong amount of fries it was like trying to crack the system of like how how many how much eight fries come in a small like what is yeah, the, and the answer is eight if you guys would like to know it's eight. mine was like seeing how much I could eat like when I would wake yeah. up at home I'd be like this is a portion I was like I've been eating like half of this and I'm like I get to eat all this food <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. And so I think that's part of it. Like, look at it. Like if, if, for those of you listening, if you find yourself using macros as a tool to shame yourself or to make sure that you are like, like you're punishing yourself with it, right. Or like, Hey, I know you're going to make this horrible, uneducated guess. Like you better make sure and and double check yourself. Then we definitely want to address like, what is our relationship with the scale Mm -hmm. and tracking macros? We have seen it both ways. We had a business partner who we didn't realize at the time was had super disordered relationship with macro counting. Mm -hmm. And we remember sitting there thinking like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like, this, yeah. is, this is how you feel about it, or this is what you think about it. And it was really like a kind of a slap in the face because we were like, wait a second, we finding macros was the best thing that Heidi and I ever had happened to us because we actually asked ourselves what we wanted for the very first time in our whole lives yeah. instead of just like taking care of everybody. Right. But this person that we worked with, that was not her experience. It was quite the opposite. It made her feel I don't even never know. good enough and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Like it's a fine line between like and and as women, especially if with a, you know, when it comes to how we think we should be, it's just like such a breeding ground for perfectionism. And like yes. you can, I mean, uh use the example of like um making a, you know, we used to, I used to teach lessons for this women's group. And at first it was like, okay, what am I going to talk about? And then it was like, oh, you know, I really should have a handout and like, oh, you know, what would be even better? Some cookies. And then, oh, like, it's just like another, there's always another thing that you can do. And like there, but there comes a point where it's like, when is good enough? Right. And there is a point, especially with nutrition, where there's like uh, diminishing returns after you hit a certain a yeah. certain threshold. Right. And so kind of like, to your point, like, are you maybe if you're a bikini competitor and you're going on stage in two weeks, okay, sure. Track your gum yes. or whatever, but that's not a lifestyle strategy for your average civilian woman. Right. Yes. That's just not sustainable or necessary really. So and that's what I've told clients. I'm like, none of us are trying to be Victoria's secret models. I'm like, not a single <laughs> one of you are going to be like a fitness competitor. I was like, it will be okay. Like if you are not tracking every single gram at a restaurant, like do your best and you will get results. Totally. But it's like that dopamine hit when people first start, like the minute they start seeing those results and like, I've been there with fitness where like you see those results. So you're like, oh, I can do more and I can yeah. do more. And like, you just keep pushing yourself to that level of perfection where then it's like, you're going crazy. It's like a drug and you're addicted to the progress and then the progress stalls. And then you revert back to like, well, crap, I'm just going to go back to where I was. 
Totally. Totally. I mean, I think that's such a, also very well said, like do your best and you will get results. And it's just like, just like our brain thinks in patterns of like, like, um, need, like you were saying, needing more, needing more, practicing, like believing and trusting, do your best and you'll get results will pay dividends in multiple areas of your life, not just nutrition or exercise, but parenting and a relationship with a partner. And of course, primarily your relationship with yourself. Yes. Okay. So I'm curious now that we've kind of talked about your, um, like the diet culture in your house, what was the like, um, exercise culture in your house growing up? Our version of exercise when we, was, was when we would go to Disney and walk. Like that was like the only exercise we ever Just did. Just a lot of steps. Yeah. Yes. To be fair. You can clear 20K on a Disney day, but if yes. Disney, I'm assuming you mean Disney World. We're just yes, Disney, Disney World. Fetal Disney like, Working out was not a thing in my house. Now I did have my best friend growing up. Her mom was like, which she's the reason like why I ended up starting to work out. Cause I was like, I want to be like Miss Kelly when I grow up. But like oh. she now looking back, there was a tad bit of an obsession with it and like not a very healthy relationship with food and fitness, but she worked out. So I'd be at their house and I would see her working out and I'd be like, that's so like she would do insanity or P90X or something. I oh. her like jump up and down on a vacation because she was doing like P90X in the living room where we were sleeping. Like she was hardcore. And I remember thinking like, that is so neat. But like in my house, no, like we didn't go hiking. You didn't go like walks around the neighborhood. Like it, it's, it's still a very sedentary household. Like it's just that. Disney that's when you walk and then you complain that like you're out of breath at Disney and I'm like mom if you would just do stuff throughout the year like just walk the neighborhood like you'd feel so much better but it was just like exercise was not a priority for health for you know losing weight it just it, it wasn't anything that happened in our house yeah yeah. I mean, there are in our house, it was, I mean, like I said, I basically all of my siblings were, um, were in athletics, but there's seven of us. And, um, ex- except for me, my only remember play, <laughs> my only memory of playing a sport was like being a goalie on a soccer team and watching a dragonfly. <laughs> and we lost every game. Not sure how. <laughs> if I had to play sports, I wanted to be like in the outfield. Like if we'd go to like softball for PE, I'd be way out. Yeah. And if the ball came to me, I'm like, no, I don't want to get it. Dude, seriously. Or like I have to run to go get that. And I'm yeah, not yeah. Run, so I better oh my not gosh. Yeah. And the worst was that like all my siblings were really athletic and some of them were like really good. So sometimes being in their shadow was not the best. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was so so you were, I think I grew up thinking like basically you you exercise if you're in athletics or if you're really, if you um really are focused on your body, like that's kind of yes. like who you are or whatever. Um, I really had no idea or understanding. And not even when I, not even when I started working out when I was like 36, I still didn't even understand all of the stress reducing benefits and that there's so yes. many other reasons to working out. Like I, most of my life, I just thought it was like, I hate to say it, but I kind of thought it was what superficial people did. Yeah. You did it for like, to look good for your body. It didn't matter that it was like 
for your mental health. Like, oh my gosh. It was just like right. I want a six pack. So I mean, what was the what was mental health back then? Oh, I know. Like, it was always like try to just be as happy as possible at all times yes. and all costs. Yeah, I mean, it was don't it, complain. It's amazing how like reduced like we were. Just like, hey, you're like a, we really were trying to be robots. Like, totally. Hey, if yes. you want to be happy, just try hard or take care of other people. Yeah, do, exactly. Do things yeah. for other people yes. that'll make you happy. Selfless people <laughs> happy. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, we were, yes. and I were talking this having this conversation the other day about like you know we grew up in a generation where like if you thought anything about yourself, you were cocky and conceited, and nobody totally. wanted to be cocky and conceited. And so no matter why we have a bunch of us with like fragile, you know, we have like our, we have to repair in ourselves and we have our childhood little traumas and we're all just basically frozen in as like 11 year olds, a bunch of big kids. So no wonder why I think we carry these things, you know, whether, you know, you mentioned food and like the scale and your body and the relationships that have changed as you kind of like evolved after this 30 year mark. And I think that's actually a lot of women we come in, you know, in our program, most, most women haven't had that like history of like my family was super health conscious and we were always exercising or, you know, we have like, I am literally still to this day, never picked up like, you know, a weight and I'm like 42. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's okay to start from where you're at. For those of you listening, like all of us have to, I mean, we hopefully have a lot left time left. Yeah. Um, but it is really honestly like never too late, but definitely starts with kind of like revisiting what your home life was like, you know, it gives you a lot of insight and clues into maybe what your relationship with food is, what your relationship with even with dieting is. And then your body, of course, and fitness too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I have like an actual, like, I knew you were speaking like theoretically, but I can literally, that's how I started with like a weights I found in this house that were old P90X weights. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, that's really, so what, what about you now? What about your, the exercise culture in your house? Ooh. Um, so I didn't really realize that my mother is actually the Tasmanian devil incarnate. So I think she just felt like by (laughs) always being on the go, that was her version of exercise. Hashtag unmedicated. I mean, in in all fairness, I mean, I think if you have, you know, eight children and you are a full-time pediatrician, you probably don't have a whole lot of time for exercise. Yeah. My mom, I, you know, to her credit, she's a pretty active lady. Like mm-hmm. she will go and keep going and keep going. We used to call her like Erna the Energizer Bunny because she <laughs> was just like, she was, she never runs out of time, like four or five hours of sleep up again, you know, and just kind of kept going. And so I, you know, we were definitely put in sports. I think I was put in like gymnastics when I was younger and ballet and then swimming. And so like, I think our parents definitely had like a, you know, they did have an appreciation for whether it was to like have an hour away from one more <laughs> child or whatever it was. They definitely us in a variety of activities, which I'm super grateful for looking back. I, I think they just kind of, they love to play volleyball growing up when they were like young marrieds. I remember that and going to their games and my dad played basketball and stuff like no real organized sports. Like we, none of us had like that's not true. I do have siblings with some records at high school, but like no one was like a D one athlete and like mm-hmm. carried on into like college or anything. It was just more of like, Hey, there's a bunch of you let's go out to the park and play and run around. And so I think that like, for the most part, like I would say that I have a very like positive active mindset of the way that we are raised in our house. I mean, yes, definitely. Like I have siblings that struggle with their weight. I struggle with my weight. So I think a lot of it is kind of like the lackadaisical nature of like, we just eat food because we really love it. And it's bonding and uniting and we move when it seems fun. <laughs> like that's basically it's actually not a horrible life strategy. <laughs> yeah. 
I kind of like it. I definitely don't know that I would call it toxic. Like the mm-hmm. culture of my house was toxic, but also there was maybe also no culture about it. Uh, you know? Fair, fair. So yeah, 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 yeah. Like just not prioritizing. Yeah. It. I mean, I think that's probably similar with my parents, anyways, for sure. Like, um, uh, yeah, it was kind of a feast or famine with exercise too, and kind of a uh, bonus points if it was like extra punishing. You know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I could ever tell you that like my mom went for a run though. Like I, in my whole memory, I don't, I could never think like, Oh, my mom went for a run today. That's never been like a thing. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, you know, she went to the park to like, or she went swimming or she went to play volleyball or whatever, but it was never like, I think it was maybe more recreation. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, like exercise for exercise sake, yeah. but more like play. Kind yes, of exactly. Which has its place. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Hey, now like that's considered like your movement for the day. Totally. totally. Like, I tell parents, I'm like, look, go. For, I used to think walking was like the laziest thing ever. <laughs> I remember I'd be like, walking is not a workout. That is not like, that's not moving my ring. Like I'm not doing that. And now I'm like, yes, I love a daily walk. <laughs> whenever we see, whenever we're out walking, we see people running. We're like, you know, you can just walk. Right. Or like, yeah, we don't really say do, that, you know, just like, yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, but I think that's part of like that kind of toxicity we're talking about like I grew up yes. reading, like, you wanted to be thin you had to run mm-hmm. like all runners were thin you yep. know side note most of them are ectomorphs that actually are really good at running because of their build <laughs> Chicken but, of the egg. but like um I mean if you ever watch a cross-country team mm-hmm. they came like that not yes. because the running yes. yeah the running like didn't make them look like that yeah. they they like to run because they're built like that exactly yeah. and, but it took me forever to think that I mean I think I ran forever and it's not that I don't like it it's just never definitely not my preferred choice mm-hmm. of like movement but I think that was always kind of the belief and to your point it was either like you worked out at the gym because you wanted to look good and you know be hot or you ran because you wanted to be skinny those were like kind of like yeah. the only two options right I did two half marathons because I thought like even as a trainer like I had trained like I was certified I knew what was happening and I ran two half marathons because I was like this is going to prove that like I'm like athletic or like I can do and it was like it was hard like I could do hard things but like I thought it would prove something about like my body and like I'd be able to like be like I'm a runner and I thought I would lose weight no I was eating way more because I was running so much like I think I gained like 10 pounds yeah marathon training because I'd be like and it wasn't like yes I needed extra carbs but I was like I'm getting a dozen donuts on my way home because I just ran 10 I was good yeah no totally so when did you start when did you kind of like fall in love with exercise or start doing it regularly what was that like for you Probably like, I want to say like when I was probably around like 22 is when like I started and it stuck, Mm. but I started because I had been married for a year and like my reason for starting was surface level and aesthetics only. I was like, I'm going to be that bride that still fits in her wedding dress. I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to be that person that gets married and they can't fit in their dress, which is hilarious. I can't even tell you the last time I tried on my wedding dress anyway, (laughs) But like I started working out because we had been married like a year and I felt I felt fluffy Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to work out. And I started with like a home workout program and actually like fell in love with it. Like I liked working out. I liked the way it made me feel. Got that dopamine hit of like I'm seeing results. And then I ended up doing like kickboxing classes and fell in love with that. And it was a very like my first few years of my fitness journey was a very toxic journey. Like looking back now, like I would work out like four times a day. Like I would do a morning workout, a lunch workout, 
an evening class, then a back-to-back evening class. Like it was like, how much more can I do? And will I keep seeing results? But obviously then my body was like, no, you're not going to see no more, any more results. Like you are stressing me out. But like, I fell in love with it, but it probably wasn't until like three years ago that I started like really focusing on strength training and fell in love with just being able to lift heavier. Like nothing feels better than like hip thrusting, like double your weight. Like I'll be like, I hit a PR and my husband does not work out. My husband is not a fitness person. He's six foot three. He he, he never has to work out a day in his life. And he'll <laughs> be like, what's a PR? I'm like, you have no idea how proud I am right now. I was like, I, I just hip thrusted like 250 pounds. And he's like, Okay, that's cool. <laughs> no confidence. Like strength training just totally changed like the way I viewed my body. Like instead of always viewing it to try to be skinnier, I was like, I want to see how much I can lift. Like I want to see like how heavy I can go. And it just like I was and I, before that I would do cardio multiple times a day and like I scaled back to like daily walks and strength training and I've been like the like happiest with my body, like my fitness level. And I've just felt like the strongest I've ever felt with that. Oh, that's so awesome. I think it's important to like acknowledge that, like, you know, the reasons for starting, like, you know, you, you'll, you'll see this narrative a lot on Instagram and us included, right? Like you start for one reason and then you end up continuing. Yes. For yeah. And it's okay to like, admit that like, I am starting because I want to be skinny or yep. I am starting yeah. because I want to look really good. Yep. Like, I think sometimes people like diminish the start, right. Or it's like, they, I think we use the word like, oh, I just want to be healthy as like, yeah. a, <laughs> as a cover word for like really owning like yeah. what it is about it. But I think, you know, between the three of us and we would encourage you to embrace the reasons why you're starting something, because honestly, owning that is part of like the ego of the development, right. It's just yeah. like, if you are like, I actually want to do this because I want to look really, really good. Mm-hmm. That opens you to a little bit more curiosity of like, so what does it really take for me to look really good? Or what exactly. does that even mean? Right? Yes. Well, yes. Same with like, I want to be really, really skinny. It's like, okay, well, what is, why? And what mm-hmm. for? And what does that even mean? And, you know, what are you signing to it? And things like that. So like, I think the curiosity behind the process is something a lot of people skip because it's always just like, well, I better eat nothing because I want to look skinny. Why? I don't know. Yes. I just think I'll look better. Okay. But why? Like, you know, why, 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 right? And so it's to evolve into a place where like, yeah, you know, wanting to be thin got you into working out and then working out got you into being curious about how strong you could be. And it's like a cool evolution that sometimes people don't allow themselves to have because whether they feel like it takes them from their goal or they're scared to actually not have that goal because they don't know who they are without that goal. Um, The, I, I love the name of your, you know, fearless fitness. It's really good because yeah. you really should like you. not be scared to just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's a, one of the reasons that, that a lot of women do start too, is that they, they want to feel more confident, right? Um, the antithesis of that being like, they're afraid to be them. Right. Which is, which I think is, it's, it's, it's along with kind of not what now was saying, it is a very cool evolution and you get to know yourself in like a whole other, yes. whole other level. And it does change too, like each season that you go through, like when you first start, it's okay to be like, I want to be, I want to lose weight. And like some people even be like, I want to weigh this amount. And I'm like, well, what about that amount? Like, just makes you like, why that amount? And they're like, well, that's because that's when I felt my happiest. And I'm like, what did you, well, one, did you really feel your happiest then? Or did you just associate it to like 
that was your happiest. And like someone the other day was like, I just want to look good naked. And I was like, (laughs) I love that goal. Like if that is your goal, like that is perfect. Like if it gives you more confidence to like rock a tank top and rock a pair of shorts in the summer, like that is a great goal to have. Like good for you. Yeah. And kudos to you that you're actually down to like, look at yourself naked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's really a hurdle for so many women. Yep. Totally. So, I mean, you're already ahead of the game, my friend, whoever yeah, you are. I was like, um, that's, I like it. She gave me the answer and I was like, okay, well, that is the first time I've heard that goal. And I think it is a great goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's awesome though, because it's to her, to her credit, like the more honest you are about your goals, like the more specific you can get with them. Right. And yes. Yeah. We have a, one of our coaches is always like, I actually like myself better naked than in clothes. And I'm like, that is rad. <laughs> like what a goal, you know, to like, totally. have, so <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Okay. So if we had to like, kind of like, I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, but like, if you had to give like, kind of like a, you know, like, this is what I would love for women to understand about like tying in like the past version of themselves and like the current version and the future version when it comes to either like food or scale or body, like, what would you want to like tell our listeners? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Just really letting go of a number on the scale. And I know that like women hear that and they roll their eyes because they're like, no, like the scale, there was a time my husband literally chunked our scale out in the yard because I was like, I would get on it and like go crazy, like have a mental breakdown because it was up. Like I would weigh at night after I'd eaten all day and like, every two weeks. And I'd be like, it's up three pounds from the last time. And like, eventually, like he threw it in our yard and was like, no, like, you're not, you're not getting on it. You're crazy. Like (laughs) we're getting rid of it. And like, really that helped me so much. And then eventually like, I got a better relationship with the scale where I could get on it and be like, "Hmm, I didn't sleep good last night. That's why it's up. Or, you know, maybe you need to use the bathroom, like different things like that, but really just to quit chasing the number on the scale and just learn to love your body where you're at, even if it's not your goal weight, even if it's not your goal body, because if you can't love yourself where you're at now, it doesn't matter if you get that goal, you're still not going to love yourself. There's still going to be something that's wrong with you. There's going to be something that you don't like about yourself, or you'll find something to tear apart. Because I'm like, at the end of the day, our bodies are a gift, like to be able to move, to be able to walk, like, we are so blessed to be able to do all that. And we might not look the way we want to look. We might, you know, be like, I wish I weighed this amount, but our body is still like functioning for us. Like we're still able to breathe and do everything. So really just to learn to love yourself, like as you are, but still be okay with wanting to improve yourself at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. hundred percent. I Very well said. couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it's, you know, as Heidi and I are in a place where our parents are, and some more in rapid decline than others. It's like, you really do have a little bit of a more of an appreciation for your, even just like your mind being where it's at, your body mm-hmm. being where it's at. I mean, my client and I were laughing the other day about like exercise. She was so sore from orange theory fitness. And she was like, it's so weird how like the things that you're doing to like help you live longer, make you feel like you can barely make it through the day because of how sore you are. And I was just like, I'm like, Hey, there's no problem with using like the bars in the bathroom. I use them all the time yes. for leg day. And I think about like, you know, needing to use them because you're sore because you've you know been lifting and building muscle or needing to use them because you literally cannot get off the toilet yourself are two really different qualities. Yes. Yeah. And different. I, feel like I care less about how I look as more as what I can do. Mm. Um, I mean, that definitely was something that I thought when I was, you know, 
like maybe like a couple of years ago, like, oh, I'm so grateful for what I, my body can do versus what it looks like. But even more so as I age, it's like, I would just really like to be able to use the bathroom by myself. Yeah. That, I mean, it seems like such a, like some people hear that and they're like, oh, that's so silly. Like, why wouldn't you? It's like, um, because when you have your parents get older and you see that they actually can't. So, yes. and you know, to your point about like the health conditions that your family has, like these are very real things too, that I think sometimes we don't consider as far as like what healthy might actually be for our families. Like we have diabetes in our family, high blood pressure, hypercholesterol. Like yep. there's lots of stuff that like even your very best self might still come up to, right? Like I still will have to worry about those things, even if I am my fittest or mm-hmm. strongest or leanest or whatever. Right. And yeah. so yes. and the reality of like, to your point, like our bodies are showing up for us every single day. And there's a lot of gratitude in that. And a quote that I heard the other day that I really just kind of have attached to like the last two weeks is like, you're only going to be as happy as you are grateful. And I think mm-hmm. that is something really important for us to remember. So whether it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds or I'll be happy when I can fit into my pre-baby jeans or I'll be happy when, you know, I have a six pack with abs. It's like, if you're not grateful for where you are right now, you're never going to be happy with those because it's just yeah. never going to be enough, right? Yep. Absolutely. And sometimes like what we think we should look like, I'm like, my genetics don't even like, I remember I used to want like a six pack and like these flat abs. And I'm like, that's not in my genetic card. Like I'm five, three, my torso is like this long. I'm like, it's just not, I'm not going to have that like long lean look. And it took a while for me to be okay with that, to look in the mirror and be like, you know, like one, I'm healthy. Like I'm extremely grateful for that. And two, like, I'm just not going to have the abs of like, I don't know, Blake Lively or someone like, it's just (laughs) not happening. I'm not six foot dude same girl same it's like when you're short-waisted there's not a whole lot of abs to have maybe two or four max I don't know yes I used to watch the Victoria's Secret fashion show back in the day which cool. now like I cringe like I came across a Facebook post the other day like you know those Facebook memories that are super embarrassing that you <laughs> yeah. used to post and it was like all I want for Christmas is a body like a Victoria's Secret angel and I'm like I really truly thought too that like if I worked out enough, if I starved myself enough, like I was going to look like that. I'm like, those girls, first of all, like they probably don't know what it's like to eat like a good cookie and just like, be like, this is amazing. I was like, and I just, that, that's not my goal anymore. Yeah. Well, and there's a reason they're called supermodels. Yeah. Like they're literally like the less than 1% of people in the world that mm-hmm. are that height, that dimension, that look. And, and a lot of times they don't even look like them. And interesting enough, if you look at them, none of them have six pack abs. Yeah. They just have like, like, you know, they definitely have like nice flat tone tummies, but none of yeah. them are like super jack either, you know? Yeah. Yes. I'm like, and I have muscles. Like I, now I'm to the point where I'm like, I'd rather curves than to look just like I have no figure whatsoever. I'm like, I'll take some hips or a butt or anything. Yeah. So people can be like, she works out. Like I want people to look and be like, she lifts weights. Like she's strong. <laughs> Well, in our defense too, I mean, that's part of like diet culture's messaging, right? It's like, they don't, they, they may, they don't want you to be your best you. They want you to want to be like somebody else. And just by accident, they happen to have just the product for you (laughs) to help you achieve that unrealistic expectation. Um, Well, this was a wonderful conversation, Brittany. So do you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do, if you have an offer to share um, and where they can find you on Instagram? 
Yes. So you can find me at at Fit or at Fearless Fitness and Nutrition is my business page. I have an online strength training program for ladies. You can join all across the country, the world. We don't have anyone outside of the country, but hey, if you're from somewhere and you want to join, you can. And I offer one-on-one nutrition coaching Take and I am taking new clients right now. So they can feel free to message me. I love helping ladies just learn to love their bodies and just ditch diet culture. Like say no to diets. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you again so much for being here. It was just, it was a blast talking to you. You made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoy that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. (laughs) If you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at Butter Your Macros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks.